from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle? Or War Eagle. That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey, everybody. So, how do you get back to the Final Four if you're Auburn? Hey, I'm already asking the question. It's okay. It's okay to look ahead and everything. It's it's, uh, it's unfair to ask, hey, how does Auburn get back to the Final Four after reaching it for the first time in program history just a couple of weeks ago? But Auburn, obviously, Bruce Pearl, obviously, is trying to build uh, a championship-caliber program that can contend every year in the SEC, and as a result, be able to contend when it comes into late tournament time. Um, I've said here several times that Auburn might have a better team in two to three years than it did even this past season, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can get to the Final Four. Um, great teams lose in the Sweet 16. Great teams lose in the first round. Just ask Virginia, this year's national champion, when they lost in the first round and became the first 116 seed upset in NCAA tournament history last year. But the thing to look at here, obviously, for Auburn is not necessarily what Auburn has coming back, but what they have coming in and what the future looks like. So we're going to talk pretty much this entire show about recruiting and basketball recruiting for Bruce Pearl. We all know how they built this class, classes that helped Auburn get to the Final Four. We've talked about ad nauseum. Bryce Brown, Jared Harper, guys that were overlooked, even though Harper was a four-star guy. Guys that were overlooked, they didn't really get recruited by the Blue Bloods, so to speak, came to Auburn. And they led Auburn to the Final Four, let's face it. I mean, without those guys, Auburn does not make the Final Four. So if Auburn goes forward here without, obviously, Bryce Brown, who's a senior and has exhausted his eligibility, the leading three-point shooter in Auburn history, number two in SEC history. And then you also possibly and most likely will be without Jared Harper, the star point guard who not only facilitated the basketball and helped run the team on the court, but was exceptional in shooting the three ball as well. If you lose both those guys, you're losing at least one, and it looks like you're going to lose two, how does Auburn contend next season? It's a big question. And the way they do that is by recruiting and getting guys to fill in spots. We've seen that, obviously, Auburn can stay in games, even take the lead in some big games. Uh, Tennessee in the SEC tournament. Um, Obviously, uh, Javon McCormick also did it uh, against New Mexico State um, when they helped build a 13-point lead in that game before they melted down in the final seconds. But you got to have shooters in this type of offense that Auburn runs. It's freewheeling and dealing, and, and she loves the three-pointer. And if you look at it right now, Auburn's going to miss, this is incredible to look at, 249 of their 454 three-pointers that were made this year will be off the roster next season most likely with Harper and Brown gone. Harper, of course, could come back, but it doesn't look like that right now. 249 three-pointers erased, gone. 
from next season's team. You want to put that in another perspective? Auburn averaged, I believe, 11.4 three-pointers per game this year. Harper and Brown combined for eight of those per game. So you're losing eight of your 11.4 three-pointers per game. That's insane. And not only that, you're losing a point guard who facilitated the ball, facilitated the offense, ran things, and also took over games when he needed to. Auburn does not beat Kentucky in the Elite Eight without Jared Harper scoring 12 points in overtime, obviously, and charging to the basket, getting to the basket. Auburn does not beat Florida, possibly, in the SEC tournament without Jared Harper hitting that three-pointer from near the logo (laughs) as time was running out, at least with a shot clock. Um, Auburn does not win against Kentucky if Bryce Brown isn't hitting mid-range jumpers in the Elite Eight. Uh, Auburn does not come back and, well, they should have beaten Virginia, but enough about the horrible calls at the end. But they don't come back from that 10-point deficit against Virginia without Bryce Brown hitting those three three three-pointers and helping Auburn take a four-point lead in the final minute. So how do you fix that? How do you replace that? Recruiting. Obviously, Auburn's got the number 18 recruiting class coming in already, right? That's good and all. But who can be an instant impact guy? Is it Jalen Williams? Is it Isaac Okoro? Is it Turbo Jones, Tyrell Jones? They call him Turbo, Turbo Jones. I don't know. All these guys you look at and you see parts of their game are amazing, and then there's other parts that they have to work on. They're not polished. And obviously not, not all those guys are guards, but what I'm saying is it's difficult to get a guy to come in immediately and be the guy to really do something, whether it was what Bryce Brown did or Jared Harper did. So here's what Auburn's doing at the moment. They're looking at potential graduate transfers, and then there's a little nugget out there that I want to bring up here in a second that that really raises an eyebrow. But right now, this weekend, they're scheduled, Auburn's scheduled to host Rajon Tucker, as most of you know, uh, a graduate transfer from Little Rock, University of Arkansas at Little Rock. He's probably the best grad transfer out there regardless of position. Average 20.3 points, 6.7 rebounds. Great numbers. But here's the key and something that should really excite Auburn fans. This guy hit 72 three-pointers last season. He hit 41.1% of his three-pointers beyond the arc. Now, he's declared for the NBA draft. The feeling is that he'll probably will just transfer somewhere and not go to the NBA. Obviously, it's hard to get in the two rounds of the NBA. But where does he go? He's visiting Auburn. He has visited or will visit Memphis. I think North Carolina was even on the docket there for a little bit. Other teams are pursuing him. He's interested in those other teams. So it might be difficult to get him. But what helps Auburn there is a connection. They've got a connection with Wes Flanagan, the Auburn assistant coach and obviously former Auburn guard himself, he was the head coach at UALR when he brought on Rajon Tucker. Rajon Tucker at the time was at Florida Gulf Coast uh, Community College's uh, Dunk City. They still call themselves Dunk City. Um, Transferred to UALR, but Flanagan never got to coach him because the kid had to sit out a year due to NCAA transfer rules. So he just coached him in practice and everything. And then... Uh, Flanagan got fired, came to Auburn, and now they got this connection with the kid that's put Auburn on the radar for 
Rajon Tucker. Flanagan's known this kid for a while. Even when Flanagan was an assistant coach at Mississippi State, he was writing the kid uh, handwritten letters uh, during the recruiting process uh, when he was in high school. So this guy has a really strong relationship with Wes Flanagan dating back to high school. So that can only help Auburn. Can they land him? I think I think absolutely they could. Will they? I don't know. It just depends on what he wants. Obviously, other programs are coming after him. But can can he replicate what a Jared Harper or Bryce Brown did? I think he could definitely not necessarily replicate Bryce Brown, but what he can do is offer something that Bryce Brown did, which is hit three-pointers, but also offer something that Jared Harper did, and that's driving to the basket. And not only that, but driving to the basket and drawing contact, which leads to more free throws with those fouls. It'll be a different type of player. I mean, this guy's big, guys. Have you seen any video on him? Very big guy, thick guy, tall guy. Can get to the basket, can dunk like crazy, but he can get to the basket and he can shoot the three-pointer, which is something Auburn had in Jared Harper, but in a different way. He used his quickness. He was smaller, as we all know, wasn't bigger. I mean, he drew contact, but barely ever got fouls called uh, for him to get to the free throw line. This guy, because he's so physical, is going to be able to get to the free throw line a little bit more because he's going to draw contact easier. Um, and it's more noticeable to the referees. Um, so, Rajon Tucker, if Auburn could somehow land this kid, it's huge and I think helps him quite a bit going into next season. We're going to have Evan Daniels, who is the national recruiting coordinator analyst, if you will, for 24-7 Sports here on the 24-7 Sports Network, to talk more about this, I want to ask him about Rajon Tucker. I also want to ask him about a very interesting prospect, Sharif Cooper. You guys know him. He's a guard, 2020 kid. There are rumors out there that maybe he could reclassify. If that were to happen and Auburn were to land him, because, by the way, Cooper has not committed anybody. A lot of people think it's going to be a blue blood team, but maybe Auburn. I'll get to that here in a little bit. All of a sudden, if you're somehow Auburn were to land those two kids plus the 2019 class that's already coming in, that's rated number 18 in the nation, um, and Chuma Okiki were to stay and comes back, uh, say, healthy from the knee injury in January. Austin Wiley comes back at center and improves. This is an Auburn team that very well could and probably should contend for the SEC title once again which is crazy to think considering what they're losing in Bryce Brown and potentially and most likely Jared Harper uh, would be an incredible, incredible situation for Auburn basketball. We'll talk more about this with Evan Daniels after these messages. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. 
Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Evan, I, I wanted to ask you about Rajon Tucker, uh, kid out of UALR. You look at his highlights. The guy is just thick and physical and, and uh, a great shooter according to his numbers. He declared for the NBA, but he's still looking potentially at going somewhere to school next year as a graduate transfer. What can you tell us a little bit about Tucker, his playing style, and should he go to a school, what kind of school he's looking at right now? Yeah, Ray John Tucker, you can make a case, is the best graduate transfer uh, on the market. You know, there were uh, there's a handful of others. Kerry Blackshear would certainly be uh, towards the top of that list as well. But um, this is a guy at six foot five. He's got a strong, chiseled build and frame, uh, and he's a tremendous athlete. But it's really improved as a shooter over the course of his career. Uh, he started at Florida Gulf Coast, then went to Little Rock, and averaged more than 20 points a game. Uh, this past season. As you mentioned, he has declared for the NBA draft. Um, I think it's more likely that he ends up uh, transferring to uh, a, uh, to a college and, and playing collegiately next year. That would be my guess anyways. Um, Auburn is going to get uh, an official visit from him, and he's going to visit Memphis as well. And he's already taken a visit to West Virginia. Uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of see where things play out. It wouldn't surprise me to see him take uh, other visits, um, but I think he's he, he's going back and forth on, on what to do. But I, I my guess would be that he lands uh, lands at a, a college and he's playing college basketball uh, next season. You know, you mentioned you know mentioned Memphis. You mentioned obviously Auburn. Auburn's connection there is with Wes Flanagan, who recruited him actually once when he was at Mississippi State. He used to write him handwritten letters, and then he went to UL, AUALR. Uh, Rajon was at Florida Gulf Coast at the time, ends up transferring to UALR, sat out a season. Wes Flanagan coached him a little bit, but they didn't get to coach him on the floor because Wes got fired there. Uh, how much does that that connection between the two help Auburn in this situation as he's looking at some of these, obviously these other bigger programs? Well, I think familiarity in any recruitment is valuable. Uh, I don't know the extent of their relationship and how close they are. But um, familiarity certainly helps. And, um, you know, some of these other schools may have some sort of connection like that, too. I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, familiarity helps in any kind of recruitment. And, and look, it's a relationship business. Uh, so that stuff is always uh, always valuable. And you know, he's going to visit Auburn over the weekend. He's going to go see Memphis the next weekend. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him set up some other college visits, too. You know, with these new rules, with or newer rules, I should say, with the NBA draft and and these college players, a lot of these kids are taking advantage of it, and um, it's really helped them learn through the process. How do you, when you've talked to kids, say from last year to now that did test the process or stayed in or stayed out, what what do you think everybody's kind of learned about this process last year? and allowing these kids to stay in the draft a little bit longer and actually hire an agent and look at things. What are some lessons we've learned? Well, I think it's still probably too early to go too in-depth on that because this is the first this is the first time we've been able to, to examine it. Um, you know, I think there's some positives and negatives. 
I think maybe a, a negative is right now is just so many, at least for college coaches, is there's so many rosters that are currently in flux, uh, whether it be guys in the transfer portal debating a transfer, uh, guys uh, declaring for the NBA draft. And, and, and the truth is, is there's a ton of kids declaring for the NBA draft, many that have no business declaring for the NBA draft. Um, so there's just a, a lot of influx on college rosters. Now, obviously, you know, for the kid that is right there and, and you know, maybe he's a borderline first-round pick, going and getting that feedback can be very helpful. Um, but I think probably from a coach's standpoint, um, the influx in rosters and, and really um, kind of just not knowing at this point who's going to be on that roster next year is a little difficult. But to, answer, to, to fully answer your question, I don't think we'll fully know until we get through um, this cycle and kind of look back and examine um, some of the positives to it and some of the negatives to it. I know the other day you were talking about uh, Sharif Cooper in your uh, national chat at 24-7 Sports here, and uh, I know a lot of folks want to know about him and, and some Auburn folks that are holding out hope that maybe they can they could snag him. I, I know that he's – classified as 2020 but is there some talk out there that he could potentially reclassify a 2019 uh i haven't heard that um so that's not something that's come across my desk uh in 2020 i think he's one of the best point guards in the class i love his um his pace his ability to change speeds uh he's got a nice blend of, of being able to score but also facilitating for others uh so i think he's a he's a really good player i've got him at the five star in the 2020 class, and he's a guy I think Auburn has really targeted and has done a good job of getting in on early. Um, but I know I have not heard about a possibility of him reclassifying. You know, with the Auburn's fi- final four run, uh, obviously the, a lot of their focus is on 2020, 2021, and even 2022 right now. They, they go after kids pretty early. It's how they kind of got Jared Harper on board, uh, if I recall. But when you look at 2020 specifically with Auburn, I know you've got a wide spectrum of things to look at, but with this final four run they're just coming off of, how much does it help them? Does it help them uh, when it comes to trying to snag kids like Cooper, who are obviously considering some of those blue blood programs out there? You know, I think the thing is, and I, I, I say this often, is there's no better way um, for a program to prove themselves than on the basketball court. And that's how you build your brand. That's how you strengthen your brand is winning uh, in March. And Bruce Pearl and Auburn did that. A run to the Final Four, um, doing so, or winning a couple games without um, their best player, arguably their best player. Um, It was really impressive. And they play a fun brand of basketball. And I'm sure that all of that will go into Bruce Pearl's pitch to other kids to play um, at the school. And I think it only can help with a guy like Sharif Cooper, who's a five-star recruit and, and getting recruited for by really everyone in the country. Um, and he's a kid that, that they targeted early on, really targeted before anyone. Um, so not only do they have a strong relationship there, but they've got this on-court success um, to prove what they're doing in the program and the direction they have the program going. Uh, it's still early in 2020, but they're targeting some really good players you know, to go with him. You know, they're recruiting Walker Kessler really hard. They're recruiting a, an in-state kid named Ronji Gordon, who I had the opportunity to see for the first time this past weekend, uh, really hard. And he's he's a guy they prioritize and I think have a a, a, a really good shot at. Um, they've done a really good job of, of recruiting early, 
recruiting the South. And then, you know, I think they're going to be able to take advantage of the, the on-court success that they've had. Well, what can you tell us about Gordon? Um, as you said, a name that really kind of just lifted it to, into our realm, so to speak, these la- this last week or two and from what we read. Um, in-state guy that Auburn's obviously going after, as you mentioned, but uh, one that certainly seems to be on the rise in those national rankings. Yeah, you know, I, I just saw him for the first time. He's so tad undersized at six seven, but he's strong, tough, physical, athletic, and rim run and rebound. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that's probably a back end four star, um, that type of range. Um, but I, I'm just impressed with him from a, a physical standpoint. I think he's going to bring a lot of value as a role of an enforcer and rebounder, and I think he's going to be able to make short and mid range jump shots uh, long term. So I, I, I think he's a good prospect. He's a, he's going to be a nice piece uh, to a high major basketball team you know, last question you know do, do you think Auburn obviously doesn't have much basketball tradition or success but can they can they keep this going under Bruce Pearl not necessarily obviously final fours every couple of years or anything like that but you know get to the second week of of the NCAA tournament contend uh, in the top half of the SEC win 20 plus games I don't a year see why. I don't see why they can't I mean, I think that they, the program is headed in a direction to consistently be good. And Bruce Pearl has a track record of success everywhere he's been. Um, he's been able to get players everywhere he's been. He's uh, really an underrated coach nationally. Uh, the job that he did with the Auburn team this year, I thought was remarkable. Um, I don't see why they can't continue to win 20-plus games every year and, and make runs in the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think – um, from a recruiting standpoint, uh, they've done well, but it wouldn't shock me if they even do better. Uh, so I, I don't see why that type of success can't continue. It's interesting that Evan said he hadn't heard anything about Sharif Cooper potentially reclassifying. Uh, 24-7 Sports' Jerry Meyer, who also does basketball recruiting, uh, reported uh, in a national chat uh, uh, throughout the 24-7 Sports Network that he was hearing that Cooper might reclassify. And the favorite to land him is an Orange and Navy team. Wouldn't that be something? So keep your eyes peeled, guys. I mean, this could get interesting. And, and I'll say this. Auburn, um, you know, basketball recruiting is different. You know, when they're recruiting – those coaches are like dead quiet. They're 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 working hard to recruit, and um, you know, I was hoping to like be able to sit down with Bruce Pearl this week and chat with him. Didn't happen. Kind of figured it wouldn't um, because he's so busy, and obviously they're focused on recruiting, particularly for 2020. But also Rajon Tucker, who I mentioned earlier, um, an incredible prospect out of Arkansas Little Rock, who could grad transfer in be eligible immediately and play one year at Auburn if he were not to go to the NBA. It would be fantastic. Not only has he hit 72 three-pointers, as I mentioned earlier, last season and hit 41% of his shots beyond the arc, but this guy averaged 20.3 points a game, can rebound. He had 6.7 rebounds per game, can get to the basket. And Auburn looks to be losing more than half of its three-point shots from this past year when they led the entire nation 454 three-pointers. I mean, Harper and Brown combined for 249 three-pointers, guys. That's an incredible number. And Auburn, you say this live or die by the three type thing. Bruce Pearl hates that cliche. 
because if you're hitting three pointers, you're hitting three pointers. You're averaging eleven point four three pointers a game. You're you're living right. And I'm not saying Auburn's got to do that next year uh, to be contenders in the SEC, but they got to have guys that are proven scorers. But they also need guys that can play good defense. Bryce Brown was an incredible defender. Jared Harper was a great defender too. And when they came tournament time, those guys really turned it on. Um, I don't know how Rajon Tucker is as a defender. I don't know how Sharif Cooper, if he were to reclassify and come into the year in 2019, a year ahead of schedule, by the way, when he should be in high school still, and translate, you know, his five starness, if you want to call it that, um, as say what it should be a senior in high school. It's a little bit different. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, I always hear, you know, about early enrollees for football, lets them get, you know, um, you know, a little bit more in shape for a few months and they, you know, they enroll early and get everything, but you don't hear about kids coming in a year early. You know, they come in a few months early, but it's not like that with football. Basketball, you know, your body obviously doesn't have to be as mature, um, as it is, as it should be for football, um, because football, you're taking a lot of hits. I mean, that's why high school kids were going to the NBA, um, left and right, um, before the, the rules came across. But if Cooper were to come in as a five star for Auburn, let's see, let's, let's see what he's going to rate him here at 24 seven sports. I know he's a five star. Yeah. He's a five star. We rate him the number three point guard in the nation. So you bring him in at six foot, 160 pounds. If he were to reclassify to year of 2019, that would be incredible. You look at the 24-7 sports crystal ball right now, 80% predict Auburn, 20% predict Kentucky. Auburn's been on Cooper for a long time, and that has helped them quite a bit with previous players they've recruited. Um, and the idea of having Cooper at Auburn a year early to go along with Rayshon Tucker – and Javon McCormick and Chumo Kiki potentially in January and Austin Wiley and Daniel Purifoy, Anthony McLemore. That is, that is a legit roster guys. And all of a sudden we're talking about, wow, Auburn's lost these two huge pieces with Jared Harper and Bryce Brown leaving to pursue NBA dreams. And Bryce Brown, obviously exhausting his all eligibility. And you're all of a sudden going, how's Auburn even rebound from that in a year to wow Auburn might be on the same level if not more talented in the in the long run at least maybe not next season um with if Cooper were to reclassify and Tucker I wouldn't say he's like a you know you're like you're plugging a hole on the Titanic or so to speak but that that's a big hole you fill if you get Rajon Tucker because that guy can do a little bit of everything for you and really really help them out makes them longer, makes them bigger at the guard spot than they have been in the Bruce Pearl era. So really big weekend ahead for basketball recruiting. Tucker, from my understanding, is the only kid visiting campus for basketball um, as of this recording. Um, I'm recording this on a Thursday night. Don't know beyond that if there are any last-minute additions or anything like that. But the thing to watch, according to Jerry Meyer of 24-7 Sports, is Sharif Cooper and whether he reclassifies. Um, if he picks Auburn, that'd be huge anyway because he'd be here in 2020. But if he were to pick Auburn and also somehow reclassify for 2019 and be here in the summer and fall, 
that, that is huge for the Tigers. But it's also a little different because the kid should be a senior in high school. Is he physically ready? You know, I, I don't I, I don't know. I can't answer that. Only he would be able to answer that once he gets on campus. So something to watch. But isn't it amazing? Here we are. It's April 18th uh, when I'm recording this. It's been, um, goodness, 12 days, 13 days since Auburn played in the Final Four. We're talking basketball recruiting, and we're talking about it seriously because Auburn's Auburn's I, I, Auburn's about to make a run here. And I've talked to folks about the 2020 recruiting class and what could potentially happen there. They don't have any commitments yet into 2020. And usually, um, <laughs> if if you don't have any commitments really at this point with 2020, it means you're in on some big-time kids. And Auburn could have a top five class, top ten class uh, for 2020. And that's a lot to do with this, this run in the Final Four, but also has a lot to do just with the way they play and it excites uh, these recruits and these people. Um, it'll be very interesting to watch. So before we sign off here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast, I wanted to answer some of your questions. So I'm literally going through Twitter right now. I asked you to tweet me, and I'm going to answer your questions. I'm going to try <laughs> and filter some of these, but here we go. Mark the Godfather. I don't know if this is even a question. It looks more like a statement. I don't see a question mark in here. A lot of you guys just put statements out there. I guess you want to hear your your uh, name called. <laughs> I'm really for a joint QB tandem. Most analysts would say if you don't have one quarterback, you don't have any. I think since both these QBs are young, he's talking about Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood, who are, according to our sources, in a dead heat for the quarterback job, which is pretty obvious. I think since both these QBs are young, Mark the Godfather says, this might be a situation where it works and gives AU flexibility on power run versus pass heavy as needed. Um... You're not far off there. I mean, I've been told that like if the season started today, and it might still be this way come August, that you could see a potential, even if Bo Nix were to win the job, potential for Joey Gateway to come in on some packages in the red zone. So, uh, Drew Cater wants to know, what is the extent of Smoke Monday's injury? Will he be back for fall camp? Yes, I believe he'll be back for fall camp. It's a shoulder injury. He should be back. What are my thoughts on Butch Thompson with baseball and Mickey Dean for softball uh, from Naaman Smith? He's pretty much give his own take there. I really don't have an opinion one way or the other on Mickey Dean. I mean, he's got to, I guess, build his own program. It's only been a couple years. This is, what, year two? I, I don't have an opinion on him yet, so give it three, four years. Uh, this is his second year. Butch Thompson, I think he's a great coach, especially uh, – Great pitching coach. I think he's got getting some great pitchers here, and he's developed great pitchers here. I, I think he's done a good job, uh, Butch Thompson. I mean, heck, they're they're you know a moment away from reaching Omaha last season. Uh, Carson, hey, good, wants to know which QB do you personally think gives Auburn the Auburn team the whole the most upside? Uh, I mean. It's very difficult to say. If Joey Gatewood has really, 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 really improved and is just incredible out there and is able to run some of the zone plays that Gus Malzahn loved to run with Cam Newton, 
probably probably Joey Gatewood. But it depends on if he's an accurate passer and and remains accurate. Because I'll be honest with you, that's his issue is throwing the ball. And if you look at the eight A game, you know that first very first play they ran like a fake uh, screen with Eli Stove and he ran upfield. He underthrew him. If he doesn't underthrow him, Eli Stove's running in for a touchdown. So, you know, big play for him, but should have been much more. Cole wants to know, do you, do I think it would be better for Malik Willis to transfer or learn a new position? I, I don't know. That's for him to decide. I just don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback here at Auburn unless injuries occur. Will the new DC Universe swamp thing live up to the Moore run or will it be closer to the Wes Craven movie? Um, it'll probably be somewhere in between, but leaning more toward that Moore run, Alan Moore run, as you're mentioning in the comics. I don't know. I don't, I don't subscribe to that DC universe thing. Cause it looks like horrible, cheap television. Uh, so no, I'm a huge DC fan, but that thing, that DC universe service looks cheap as hell. Another keyboard quarterback question here. Oh, my goodness. This is the last one, too. Corey Ivy asks, if Knicks wins the quarterback competition, who transfers? <laughs> God, everybody's always wanting to know, like, who's going to leave? You guys don't even know. Who transfers, Gatewood or Willis or both or any? A true freshman quarterback and Sandberg as backup doesn't seem like a good thing for Gus. No, it wouldn't be a good thing for anybody. I don't think Gatewood would transfer. I think it would be best for him to stay no matter what because he's going to play. Joey Gatewood's going to play, guys, no matter what. Malik Willis, I don't know if he'll ever really play unless there's injuries. But you got to have three quarterbacks. You just do nowadays. You really do. Especially if you're going to run a system that I could potentially see where even if Bo Nix is a starter – Joey Gatewood's coming in and running some short yardage situations or some red zone stuff. As one person told me, uh, that knows much more football than I and has that I trust uh, when it comes to some Auburn intel I get. It'd be like Chris Leak and Tim Tebow that one year at Florida. So we'll see. Uh, Amanda just tweeted me. Amanda Lauren, do you think that Joey Gate? Do you think Joey Gatewood deserves a Cam Newton comparison? Listen, no one deserves that comparison uh, for on two grounds. Number one, no one's as good as Cam Newton. Two, it does a disservice to the kid having to hear that all the time. And uh, the people who are comparing him to that, to Cam Newton, are his teammates. And listen, I, I'm never going to get on to kids. You know, kids are kids. You know, 17, 18, 19 years old, 20-year-olds even, even 21-year-olds. What they're doing is they're they're comparing him to the only thing that comes close to what they've seen in their lifetime, and in their lifetime, consider this: I mean, most of these kids were like nine years old when Cam Newton was playing football at Auburn. Think about that for a second. They were nine; they weren't even teenagers. So, I. I you, you know what I'm saying. They're, they're, they're young. They've grown up watching Cam Newton. I mean, since he was at Auburn all the way through the NFL now. And no one plays like Cam Newton. No one really has that. I think the closest we've seen is Tim Tebow to a certain extent. Obviously, Tim Tebow, I don't believe, is anywhere near as good as Cam Newton. 
But what I'm saying is just that playing style, the big body, the, the running ability uh, between the tackles. Um, probably Dak Prescott to a certain extent at Mississippi State, even though he didn't run as much. Um, but beyond that, who else can you compare to Cam Newton? Now, when you look at Joey Gatewood, his size, his frame, and what he does offensively, the first thing that comes to your mind is that guy looks like Cam Newton, his body uh, and the way he performs. But listen, Cam Newton is a once-in-a-generation athlete. And I don't know, by the way, how do you like define once-in-a-generation? I, I define it as 20 years, once every 20 years at a program. Um, because the way I see it, college kids have kids. They can have kids by the age of 20. And so when they're, you know, 20 years after their playing career, they legitimately could have a kid playing college football. So in my opinion, that's a genera- a generation in college football. Um, so I would say 20 years. Wouldn't you? I might be, that might be like a known thing too. Like, what are you talking about, Brandon? Everybody knows a generation is 20 years. I've always wondered that. I never really looked that up because I'm stupid. I'm not very cultured. Uh, <laughs> But I would think it once every 20 years. Cam Newton was a once in every 20 years type talent um, at Auburn and maybe even more. Um, I don't know if we'll ever see it. I don't think we'll ever see a Cam Newton again. But, you know, I say once in a generation. But listen, I, I wasn't alive or at least, you know, able to talk <laughs> when it happened or watch football and know what was going on. But a lot of people compared Herschel Walker to Bo Jackson when he was coming on the scene. And you know, whatever, but Herschel Walker had a pretty damn good career, right? So sometimes when something huge happens, like a Cam Newton or a Tim Tebow or a Dak Prescott or, um, you know, a player like that, everybody's looking to compare, the ne- to find who the next type of player that is. And maybe Joey Gatewood is that. Who knows? And some people will go, well, if he was, if he is and was, why didn't he just straight up win the quarterback job? Well, it's more complicated than that. You got to give this true freshman Bo Nix a, a fair shot at it, and he's performed very well. And Joey Gatewood still has a lot of improving to do, as does Bo Nix. But Joey Gatewood has really made some big strides over the last year. So, anyway, that's my long answer to the. Does Joey Gatewood deserve the Cam Newton comparison? I think it's kind of unfair to the kid, but hey, his teammates believe in him. They want to say that. Let him say that. They're not saying he's Cam Newton. I've seen fans saying, well, oh, here we go again. Everybody's saying he's Cam Newton. They're not saying he's Cam Newton. They're saying he's the closest thing they can compare him to because he's got the size and that's the way he plays. Um, Joey Gatewood doesn't like hearing it because he wants to be his own guy. Very much understand that. But when you're asking someone to compare someone to something, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, coaches compare players to other players all the time. It's just that when you have a unique skill set and size, who else are you supposed to compare him to? Felipe Franks, maybe? I don't know. But no one wants to be compared to Felipe Franks, even though, by the way, I think he's done a good job under Dan Mullen because Dan Mullen's done a good job at Florida. Anyway, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I want to thank Evan Daniels, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports, joining us here on the show. Big basketball recruiting weekend. Also, big weekend for the Horsies. (laughs) The equestrian team, Auburn equestrian team, 
battling it out with Georgia Saturday morning for its second straight national title. Auburn's undefeated. No team's ever gone undefeated through a regular season. Auburn's still undefeated as it goes through the postseason after winning the SEC and now battling Georgia for the national championship after going through Oklahoma State and I think TCU in the quarterfinals and semifinals this week. And now they face Georgia for the national championship on Saturday morning. Baseball's at Ole Miss. And, of course, Auburn is facing Kentucky in softball. So plenty of coverage on that at auburnundercover.com, auburn.247sports.com, the combination of Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers. Go check us out. I'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.